0: Welcome to the improve the news podcast for Saturday, June 24th, 2023, where we separate the spin from the facts. I'm Adam
1: Clark and I'm Eric Steiner with a look at today's top stories. The DOJ is accused of slow walking a Hunter Biden probe. India and the U.S. sign key deals in defense and tech. The U.S. House postpones a possible vote to impeach Biden. Meta says it will end news access to Canadians. Russia is added to the U.N. list of shame for child killings. A Wyoming judge blocks a ban on abortion pills. The Supreme Court upholds Biden's immigration enforcement plan. A study estimates that over 1.3 billion will have diabetes by the year 2050. The IOC strips the International Boxing Association of its status. And a U.S. climate
0: change lawsuit seeks $50 billion over the 2021 heat wave.
1: In our top story, whistleblowers accuse the Department of Justice of slowing the Hunter Biden probe. Here are the facts as agreed upon by The Hill, CNN, One America, Fox News, ABC News, and Politico. According to testimony released Thursday by the Republican majority US House Ways and Means Committee, two whistleblowers said the US Department of Justice slow-walked an investigation of President Biden's son Hunter in the face of an IRS attempt to charge him with additional felony tax charges. Gary Shapley, who worked at the IRS for more than a decade, and a second IRS agent, who wasn't named, alleged the IRS recommended that Hunter Biden be charged with felonies for tax evasion and filing a false tax return for three years and five misdemeanors for failing to pay taxes on time. The whistleblowers gave several examples of what they perceived to be slow walking, including the stopping of a probe into a text Hunter Biden sent to a Chinese businessman and the blocking of two search warrants at a Biden residence and a storage unit. This month, the younger Biden agreed to plead guilty to two misdemeanor counts of willful failure to pay federal income tax, and to enter a pretrial diversion agreement on a separate firearm possession charge, avoiding a prison sentence. The whistleblowers also claim that U.S. Attorney David Weiss, who headed up the Hunter Biden probe, was rejected when he asked to be named a special counsel, but Attorney General Merrick Garland on Friday denied that accusation. Tax information is usually protected by taxpayer privacy laws, but the committee has the unique power to release information like this. Democrats on the committee, who voted against disclosure, used the same authority to reveal former President Trump's taxes last year.
0: Eric, thanks for laying out the facts on that first story. I'm going to start our first round of spins with a Republican narrative provided by the red state. No one ever expected the Biden administration to stay out of the investigation of the president's son, and the slap on the wrist Hunter received was the first sign of something gone awry. This testimony shows that the fix was in all along, and the Biden's DOJ can't be trusted. Republicans must hold those who've influenced this case accountable, even if that means impeaching Garland.
1: The Huffington Post gives us the Democratic narrative. Some of the whistleblower's accusations came before the DOJ charged Hunter with misdemeanors for failing to pay his taxes. In addition, these allegations are coming from just two people, including one who suspiciously wants to remain anonymous. The independent DOJ and Trump-appointed U.S. attorney are handling this case, so there's not much room for accusations of partisan bias. Want to help us improve the news? Go to improvethenews.org pod and take our quick survey and tell us what you think.
0: And now, back to the news. India and the U.S. sign key defense and tech deals. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Reuters, Guardian, Al Jazeera, BBC News, Mint, and Fox News. On Thursday, U.S. President Biden and Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi signed a series of new business deals on the second day of Modi's maiden visit to the U.S. The key announcements include an agreement that allows General Electric and Hindustan Aeronautics to jointly produce engines to power India's indigenous fighter jets and the sale of US-made armed MQ-9B Guardian drones. The landmark agreement bolstering defense cooperation is expected to transfer critical jet engine technologies, which the US rarely shares with non-allies, such as the F-414 engine to India. Additionally, U.S. chip giant Micron Technology announced it would invest approximately $825 million to build a semiconductor assembly and test facility in India, which applied materials said it would invest $400 million to establish an engineering center in the South Asian nation. India and the U.S. also signed the Artemis Accords, which allow India's space agency to partner with NASA in sending a joint space mission in 2024. India, the fifth-largest economy in the world, is a member of the U.S.-backed Quad, consisting of India, Australia, Japan, and the U.S., as well as the Chinese-led BRICS, consisting of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Trade between the U.S. and India in 2022 rose to a record $191
1: billion dollars. Thank you, Adam, for the facts of that story. Our first spin is an establishment-critical narrative coming from The Spectator. Biden had previously vowed that his foreign policy would be based on the defense of democratic values and human rights, as the world, he claimed, was divided into democracies and autocracies. Therefore, granting Modi a rare state visit shows how hypocritical the Biden administration is revealing that it has struck a Faustian bargain with India's illiberal regime to counter China in the Indo-Pacific. And CNN is going to follow that up with a pro-establishment narrative.
0: There's no evidence that the Modi government is not fond of human rights or Western democratic values, which is why it would be ill-advised for the Biden administration to put acute concerns about democracy in India over efforts to preserve the international liberal order under threat from China and Russia. Given its geopolitical position, India is a promising and crucial ally to counter China that
1: must not be scorned. And there's a nerd narrative coming from Metaculous Prediction Community. It says there's a 70% chance that if World War III happens before the year 2060, the U.S. and India will be on the same side. This is like a big shopping spree modi has been on in the U.S. He's like treating the U.S. like Costco. He's like, I
0: have some of those and give me some of those. And give me some of them F-15 engines and uh, give me some of these Sea uh, Guardian drones. Yeah, give me some of those. And then he's going to get to the checkout and be like, wait a
1: minute, I didn't buy all of this. Buyer's remorse. Buyer, yeah, yeah, exactly. The U.S. House postpones a possible Biden impeachment vote. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Reuters, Associated Press, NBC and The Hill. On Thursday, the Republican-majority U.S. House of Representatives voted 219-208 to refer to the U.S. Homeland Security Committee and Judiciary Committee Representative Lauren Boebert's privileged resolution to impeach President Biden. This vote postpones the full House impeachment vote, as the committees are not required to consider the resolution which charges Biden with, quote, high crimes and misdemeanors over his U.S. immigration policies at the Mexico border. Boebert, who also attempted to impeach Biden in 2021, claimed in the six-page document that Biden was, quote, purposefully and knowingly allowing millions of migrants into the U.S. without facing proper proceedings. Earlier in the week, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy, Republican of California, had urged Republicans to oppose a full-blown impeachment resolution based on it jumping the gun on ongoing investigations the House is currently conducting of Biden. Meanwhile, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia, has stated her intentions to file a similar impeachment resolution against Biden, members of his cabinet, FBI Director Christopher Wray, and a U.S. prosecutor working on cases against participants in the January 6, 2021 riots at the U.S. Capitol. Republicans' attempts to impeach Biden came after former President Trump was impeached twice by Democrats, once over withholding military aid to Ukraine, and once on charges related to the January 6th riots. He was acquitted both times by the Senate.
0: Thank you, Eric. We're going to start off with a Republican narrative provided by Daily Wire. This is the best path forward for House Republicans to show that they're united in their efforts to hold Biden accountable for his misdeeds. The committees are already looking into Biden's failed border policies, and this resolution should help push those probes forward.
1: We counter that with a democratic narrative coming from MSNBC. Boebert and her far-right allies are bringing forward these baseless impeachment resolutions to increase the notoriety of their personal brands and support their own fundraising. Perhaps they could be taken more seriously if they'd shown the slightest regret for Trump's actions. But alas, this is just a partisan game to them. And we're going to follow that up with a narrative C by Fox News.
0: Impeaching Biden would be a worthwhile venture if Republicans already had ironclad evidence. But unfortunately, investigations are ongoing. Republicans should instead focus on delivering for the American people before they eventually
1: take down Biden. The Metaculous Prediction community is giving us a nerd narrative for this story. They say there's a 52% chance that Biden will be re-elected U.S. President in 2024. News out of Canada,
0: where Meta is planning to end its news access in wake of a new media law. Here are the facts as agreed upon by CBC, Reuters, and The Globe and Mail. On Thursday, Facebook and Instagram owner Meta announced that it would end access to news for Canadian users in light of the passage of Bill C-18. The online news act bill c18 requires social media sites to negotiate payment deals with news publishers for the content posted on their sites while the government argues the law protects canadian media tech companies have called it unsustainable for their business model the legislation, which passed the Senate on Thursday and will come into effect in six months, has spurred Meta to block news links for up to 5% of its 24 million Canadian users as part of a test. As the company tested news blocking earlier this year, the Minister of Canadian Heritage and Google executives aimed to avert further disruption. Google called Bill C-18, quote, unworkable but the government rejected their call to remove the payment provision and consider the value news outlets gain from social media sites. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had accused the tech platforms of bullying tactics in their effort against the bill, as 470 media outlets in Canada have closed since 2008. Part of the money generated by Bill C-18 will go towards supporting Canadian media. The media funding regime is based on similar legislation in Australia, the first country to have tech companies compensate news publishers. Meta temporarily blocked the sharing of news articles for Australian users, and Google threatened to block the use of their search engine before relenting and striking deals
1: with publishers. Adam, thanks for the facts of that story. Let's take a look at the round of spins, as the first one is an establishment-critical narrative coming from the Toronto Sun. Big Tech has siphoned off the lion's share of the revenue from news media that desperately need financial security. You cannot have a functioning democracy without an informed population, and a dearth of quality news from trusted sources will ensure that. Social media cannot be complicit in this decline. Instead of paying journalists what they are owed, they are taking punitive measures in an arrogant display. Big Tech has gotten a free ride for too long, and it's time for them to pay up. And we're going to wrap this story up with a pro-establishment narrative from The Hub. Bill C-18
0: is an ill-advised piece of protectionism that will only serve to harm Canadians to keep moribund legacy media outlets afloat. The government is imposing a regime of almost unlimited financial liability on social media companies, and it just makes economic sense for them to get out entirely instead of dealing with the unpredictability. Innovators in the media and tech sphere will suffer to keep failing
1: newspapers afloat. Turning our attention to Russia as they have been put on the UN's list of shame for child killings. And here are the facts as agreed upon by PBS NewsHour, France 24, The Moscow Times, Reuters, and Al Jazeera. The United Nations has put the Russian military on its annual children's rights blacklist of countries for killing children And attacking hospitals and schools in Ukraine. According to the report, 477 children were killed in Ukraine last year, with 136 attributed to Russian forces and affiliated groups, and 80 to Ukrainian forces. Another 909 were maimed in the conflict, 518 by Russia and proxy groups, and 175 by Ukraine. The U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres said he was, quote, appalled by the high number of grave violations against children in Ukraine committed in 2022. The annual report to the U.N. Security Council reports on incidents such as killing, maiming, sexual abuse, abduction, and the targeting of hospitals and schools. Several human rights organizations have criticized the fact that Israel was left off the list, despite reportedly killing more than 40 Palestinian children last year. Palestinian Ambassador to the UN Riyadh Mansour on Thursday called the UN's decision to leave Israel off the list a, quote, big mistake. According to the report, 42 Palestinian children were killed by Israeli forces, and 933 were injured in 2022, though Guterres did note a meaningful decrease in children killed by Israeli forces, including by airstrikes, from the year prior. Israel has never been included on any past UN lists for the same criteria.
0: Thank you, Eric. We're going to start off with a pro-establishment narrative provided by Radio Free Europe. By including Russian forces on the shame list, the UN is holding the Kremlin's forces accountable for disturbing violations against children. Russia has indiscriminately attacked hospitals, schools, apartment buildings, and other civilian structures, killing hundreds of
1: Ukrainian children. The Canary gives us the establishment critical narrative. This report has hypocrisies. Ukraine has also committed violations against children and was not included on this list, and neither is Israel. Instead of being a nonpartisan report on children in conflict zones, this list is politically motivated, giving American allies like Ukraine and Israel a free pass. And the nerds of
0: Metaculus have an opinion. They think that there's a 17% chance that a post-Putin Russia will substantially democratize within five years. And that's according to the Metaculous Prediction Community. <coughs> A Wyoming judge blocks a ban on abortion pills. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Associated Press, The Hill, Axios, Politico, New York Times, and WION. On Thursday, Teton County Judge Melissa Owens ruled to allow abortion pills in Wyoming to remain legal while the state ban continues to be challenged in court. Wyoming became the first state in the U.S. to specifically ban two separate abortion pills in March this year intending for the law to be implemented starting July 1st. However, the law was challenged by several nonprofit organizations and medical providers, with Owens ruling to pause its introduction until a final ruling is made. Owens made a similar decision concerning Wyoming's total abortion ban in March. Both cases are believed to be dependent on a state constitutional amendment from 2012, passed in response to the Affordable Care Act, which states that Wyoming residents have the right to make their own health care decisions. While pro-life lawmakers have argued that abortion doesn't fit under the category of health care, Owen said the plaintiffs had, quote, clearly shown probable success on the merits of their legal challenge to allow the law to remain paused. Laws attempting to ban abortion have been made possible through the overturning of Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court last year, which had given women across the country the right to an abortion for nearly
1: five decades. Thank you, Adam. Our first spin is a left narrative coming from the Fordham Ram. Conservatives continue to spew a fraudulent narrative of morality and the sanctity of life while enforcing a dystopian nightmare against women and their bodily autonomy. Wyoming's attempts to pass strict abortion laws would set an extremely damaging precedent for healthcare across the U.S. Arguments against abortion pills don't hold water, considering the plethora of scientific evidence supporting their safety. And any further attempts to minimize reproductive freedoms should be met with resistance rather than fear. And as expected, we've got a right narrative following
0: that up provided by Daily Caller. In the years since Roe v. Wade was overturned, countless lives have been saved. And America has been set on a positive course. The authority to govern abortions has rightly been given back to the states. Wyoming is acting within its rights to protect the unborn and legislate access to abortion pills. While the abortion conversation must be continued with empathy and delicacy, it is important the U.S. states continue to stress
1: the value of life as its primary legal concern. And Metaculous Prediction community gives us a nerd narrative to this story. They say there's a 5% chance that elective abortion will be banned nationally in the U.S. before the year 2030. The Supreme Court revives the Biden Immigration Enforcement Plan. Here are the facts as agreed upon by NBC, Fox News, Newsmax, Reuters, and NPR Online News. In an 8 to 1 vote on Friday, the Supreme Court upheld the Biden administration's policy of prioritizing public safety threats in immigration enforcement, with Justice Samuel Alito issuing the sole dissent. This overruled a Texas federal judge who blocked the policy a year ago. After initially proposing a 30-day ban on all deportations, the policy guidelines set by the Department of Homeland Security only allows immigration and customs enforcement agents to deport recent border crossers and threats to public safety and national security. The Texas judge, Drew Tipton, originally sided with Texas and Louisiana, who brought the policy to court and argued that the influx of immigrants would harm the states, forcing them to spend more money on law enforcement and social services. Arguing for the majority, Justice Brett Kavanaugh wrote that, quote, the executive branch, not the judiciary, makes arrests and prosecutes offenses on behalf of the United States. This, however, comes after the court voted 5-4 to four to deny Biden's request to block the Texas court's ruling. Biden originally issued the guidelines before they were halted by the lower court judge, following Donald Trump's policy of arresting and deporting all migrants who enter the country without legal authorization. Justices Neil Gorsuch, Amy Coney Barrett, and Clarence Thomas said the states lack standing because federal courts do not have authority to redress their injuries, as the states claim to face a monetary injury. The court also concluded that the states may have standing in the future if the executive branch, quote, wholly abandon its responsibilities. Thank you, Eric. We're going to start off with a democratic narrative provided by the American Bar Association
0: Journal. All but one justice, meaning every conservative except Alito, agreed that Texas and Louisiana went too far in their request to block executive authority. While it may not be the preferred policy of certain attorneys general,
1: the Biden administration has executed its immigration responsibilities. And the Washington Times brings us the Republican narrative. Constitutional theory is all well and good. But the truth of the matter is that Biden has completely opened the U.S. border to illegals without showing any signs of enforcing immigration law once they're on American soil. Not only do states have the right to complain about this, but Congress should impeach the president over his neglect. And there's a nerd narrative that says there's a
0: 50% chance that at least 180,000 refugees will be admitted into the U.S. from 2021 to 2024 according to the Metaculous Prediction Community. Reports from a recent study state that over 1.3 billion people will have diabetes by the year 2050. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Guardian, DW.com, Reuters, Independent, Euronews, and the American Medical Association. According to a study published Thursday in the Lancet and the Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology Journals, Over 1.3 billion people worldwide will have diabetes by 2050. The study also predicts that 43.6% out of 204 countries will have a diabetes prevalence greater than 10%. In 2021, 529 million people were living with diabetes worldwide, 95% of which were cases of type 2 diabetes, with a global prevalence of 6.1%. While every country will be impacted, Prevalence rates are increasing to reach 16.8% in North Africa and the Middle East and 11.3% in Latin America and the Caribbean by 2050. According to the report, diabetes rates are rising globally due to increasing levels of obesity and health inequalities, with rates of diabetes among minority ethnic groups higher than whites in wealthy countries like the U.S. Professor Leonard Eguide the study's co-author said that historically disenfranchised racial and ethnic groups are less likely to get access to sufficient and healthy food and health care services, which contribute to poorer outcomes for people with diabetes. In the U.S., the health care cost of diabetes is around $237 billion a year, not inclusive of medical expenses attributed to greater use of health care services before a diabetes diagnosis.
1: Thanks, Adam, for those facts. Our first spin is Narrative A, coming from Stat News. With diabetes outpacing most diseases globally, it has reached epidemic proportions and become one of the biggest public health threats and a significant burden on healthcare systems worldwide. It's crucial that the impact of social and economic factors on this disease, including racism, deprivation, and poverty, is acknowledged to stop its rise worldwide. Medical News Today has a Narrative B on this story. Type 2
0: diabetes is a lifestyle disease, so fighting the silent killer will require lifestyle changes, like eating healthier greens instead of highly processed foods. It's not the government's job to make decisions or spend millions on changing personal food habits. To turn the tide against diabetes, we will need more than one type of
1: public sector intervention. We have a nerd narrative for this story coming from the Metaculous Prediction community. It says there's at least a 50% chance that 13.2% of U.S. adults will have diabetes type 1 or type 2 in the year 2032. The International Olympic Committee removes the International Boxing Association's recognition. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Al Jazeera, Reuters, NBC, Associated Press, The International Olympic Committee, or IOC, on Thursday formally stripped the International Boxing Association of its recognition as the sport's governing body at an extraordinary virtual meeting due to its alleged failure to enact recommended amendments on governance, finance, and ethical issues. The IOC voted 69-1 to in favor of the removal, which the IBA called a tremendous error. The Boxing Association had tried to block the decision through an appeal to the Court of Arbitration for Sport, but its efforts were rejected Tuesday. This move comes after the IOC's executive board, chaired by President Thomas Bach, recommended the expulsion two weeks ago, citing alleged governance issues under presidents from Uzbekistan and Russia, as well as the association's financial ties to Russian state energy firm Gazprom. Olympic boxing has had a checkered past relating to bout integrity but IBA's relationship with the IOC deteriorated drastically after it elected Uzbekistan businessman Gafur Rakhamov as president in 2018 and Russian Umar Kremlev as his replacement in 2020. The IOC will oversee boxing competitions for the 2024 Paris Olympics, as it did in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics, after it suspended the IBA in 2019 in an effort to promote governance changes. It remains unclear if boxers representing national federations who stay affiliated with the IBA will be eligible to compete in 2024. In addition to the 2024 Paris Games, boxing has also reportedly been confirmed on the 2028 Los Angeles Olympic program. The IOC can now work with the recently created World Boxing, which is backed by officials in Britain, Switzerland, and the U.S.
0: Thanks, Eric. We're going to start this round of spins with a narrative A provided by The Guardian. The IOC had no choice but to remove the IBA as the governing body of Olympic boxing, as it failed to implement the necessary changes that have plagued its integrity and governance. The Olympics cannot endorse a body that is financially backed by Russian state businessmen and has been repeatedly accused of fixing matches. The IOC will continue to promote the sport of boxing and oversee Olympic matches without IBA involvement.
1: Narrative B comes from Inside the Games. The IOC's decision to remove the IBA's Olympic recognition is unjust and detrimental to the future of boxing. The IOC did not care to give the IBA a chance to implement the recommended reforms because it was committed to removing the IBA at all costs. While the IBA is solely committed to boxing, the IOC is concerned about geopolitical moves that penalize association and countries it doesn't approve of. It is a sad day for the sport. And the folks at the
0: Metaculous Prediction community have another opinion on this. They say there's a 51% chance that Russian athletes will be banned from the 2024 Olympics. A county in Oregon is suing fossil fuel companies over the 2021 heat wave. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Reuters, New York Times, OPB, UPI, and Oregon Live. On Thursday, Multnomah County in Oregon, which includes the city of Portland, filed a lawsuit in state court against several oil and coal companies, as well as industry groups and consultants, for over $50 billion to address costs allegedly associated with climate change. Those named as defendants in the lawsuit include ExxonMobil, Shell, the American Petroleum Institute, Coke Industries, and the consultancy firm McKinsey & Company. The lawsuit claims the named companies contributed to the 2021 heat dome That claimed the lives of 69 people in Oregon through their sale and promotion of fossil fuels. Researchers say the heat dome was directly caused by climate change. With a lawsuit claiming one could occur every five to ten years. With the county chair claiming the defendants knew their products were unsafe and harmful, Multnomah County is seeking $50 million in damages for the 2021 heat wave, 1.5 billion in future damages and $50 billion to go towards mitigating the impact of future heat events. In a written statement, Defendant defendant Chevron said the claims are baseless, with other defendants saying the suit does nothing to fight climate change. In the last six years, 36 U.S. cities and counties and seven states have filed lawsuits seeking compensation for climate change-related damages. In April, The Supreme Court denied an appeal from oil companies in
1: five of those cases, allowing the lawsuits to move forward in state courts. Adam, thank you for the facts of that story. As we look at the first spin, it is a right narrative coming from Washington Examiner. Climate change lawsuits are political stunts that have no chance of succeeding, as climate change is a political question, not a judicial one. Even liberal legal scholars have long argued that the court is not the right venue for environmental regulation. The overwhelming consensus is that climate change can only be addressed in Congress, not the courtroom, as progressives waste valuable time misusing the legal system. And CommonDreams.org
0: is going to follow that up with a left narrative. The reality of climate change being connected to inclement weather events is incontestable. And it is simple logic that those who contribute to harm bear some responsibility. A series of procedural victories have opened the door for legal accountability for climate disasters and could force change in a manner similar to what happened to the tobacco companies. Even if the lawsuits don't succeed, the cases could reveal sensitive internal documents that
1: could show the full extent of their malignant influence in politics and the planet. The Metaculous Prediction community is giving us our final nerd narrative of today's podcast. It says there's a 50% chance that the U.S. will emit at least 4.16 billion tons of CO2 in the year 2035. Thanks for listening to the Improve the News podcast for Saturday, June 24th, 2023. Each day, we use machine learning to read about 5,000 articles from about 100
0: newspapers and figure out which ones are about the same stories. For each major story, our editorial team then extracts both the key facts that all the articles agree on and the key narratives
1: where the articles differ. For more information on Improve the News, please visit our website, improvethenews.org. You can also download the Improve the News app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. For Adam Clark, I'm Eric Steiner, inviting you to join us next time on Improve the News.